What is the value of human life? Upon what basis would we make any kind of value judgment? How are we going to make a determination as to what is, what is it about humanity that is valuable? As compared to the animate creation animals, or even compared to plants, what is it about man in comparison that makes man valuable? Well, American culture is having a hard time answering that question. And because we are having a hard time with that question, generally speaking, our entire culture is beginning to unravel. I can't think of a better name for the show than that which was the title of a book several years ago by Robert Bork called Slouching Towards Gomorrah. And it really is the disintegration of our culture as we slouch towards Gomorrah. What's happening in our culture is, is very, very alarming. And it goes back to really how we have devalued life. So I want us to think about how has life been devalued in America? And we have devalued life, human life, I should say, to the point that we don't consider life any more than rocks and dirt and plants and trees and animals. We don't consider human life any more valuable than these. So let's think about, for a few moments, what is it that has caused this devaluation of humanity, this denigration of what God has made us in his image? According to the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, 26 and 27, God made man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So we'll think about that in just a few moments, but what is it that has caused this devaluation? Well, first of all, there is right now, just illustrative of what we're talking about is the movement for transgenderism. Transgenders are those who are apparently angry at God and angry at the world and angry at humanity. And we have, I have an article here in front of me that just occurred here about something that occurred in Portland just a few days ago, and we'll talk about it in a moment. I saw this definition of transgenderism. It's etymology online. Of course, transgenderism was not known before the 1970s, but it's, of course, a person whose sense of personal identity does not correspond with their anatomical sex. It's a pathology, in other words. It's a pathology that rejects a God-centered worldview in which God created man in his own image and made them male and female. So here's what happened in Portland just the other day, and I want us to think about this. This is, and it's on video. I haven't seen it, but uh, the article here says it's very graphic. A video of the incident reported, reportedly shows 30-year-old Moses Lopez getting into a cab with a tiara and woman's clothing, that is transgender, before stabbing his cab driver to death. The article is entitled, Transgender Man Brutally Murders Portland Taxi Driver on Easter Sunday. Journalist Andy Knows cites a source who has seen the not-yet-released video a recording of the incident, described it as the most disturbing and gruesome video that I have ever seen. It reportedly shows 30-year-old Lopez getting into the cab while wearing a tiara and women's clothing, and several minutes into the taxi ride, Lopez rams a knife into the throat of the driver, killing him in the process. The Portland police identified the victim as 43-year-old Reese McDowell-Lohan, or Lahan. No reported that McDowell-Lohan had recently found out his, who his biological parents were and he was hoping to meet them for the first time. Of course, that's not going to happen. 
Now, that's the kind of thing that's going on with an alarming degree of increasing alarming degree of regularity in this country where transgenders are attacking people. Tucker Carlson points out that it seems to be attacking Christians or Christianity or people who stand for Christianity. But it's really a disrespect of life. And it's more than simply one life is being disrespected. There is, of course, for example, in this story that we just read, Reese McDowell-Lahan, there was, of course, the absolute disrespect of this man's life. But I want you to think about another life that is being disrespected here. And that life is the man himself disrespecting his own body, disrespecting his own life, and becoming what is called transgender. According to a statement in LifeSite News, and I thought this was a good summary of it, according to the current progressive secular worldview, the human body is endlessly malleable. One sex can be changed through surgical mutilation as suits the individual's gender identity. A body is disposable at will through abortion, euthanasia, or suicide. In other words, it's not simply disrespecting, which of course it obviously is, the victim of the crimes that are being committed, but it's also a complete disrespecting of a a person's body for that person to become a transgender. The Bible teaches that God created man in his image, and he created man male and female. Genesis 1, 26 and 27, but it's a complete disrespecting of a God-centered worldview. Now, there are other areas that show us also that we are disrespecting the God-centered worldview as well. Let's, for example, just turn attention to the environmental movement. There are many draconian laws that are being pushed on the books today to protect the earth, fence off man from the usage of it. The grandfather of all of this was, of course, none other than the vice president for Bill Clinton, Al Gore. In his book, Earth in the Balance, I think that's a 1992 book, he writes this, and this is interesting because he tries to rewrite the book of Genesis. He tries to rewrite the early passages of Genesis, the ones which I just mentioned about God creating man in his own image and then creating him male and female. Listen to what Al Gore had to say. Major scientific discoveries have often undermined the church's tendency to exaggerate our own uniqueness as a species and defend our separation from the rest of nature. Uh-oh, see, right away, you're, you're put on notice that there is not going to be any uniqueness to man's nature. It is my own belief, he goes on to write, that, in the, that the image of God can be seen in every corner of creation, even in us, but only faintly. So what does Al Gore say? It's not simply man created in God's image, as the Bible does teach, but every corner of God's creation, in the mountains, in the trees, in the free-flowing rivers, everywhere you might look in beautiful nature. Of course, nature is beautiful, but he says it's, that's God's image everywhere. Now, my question is this. Why would Al Gore even go to the Bible to do this? Why would he want to try to ransack the Bible for the statement or the phraseology, the image of God, when in point of fact, he does not believe what the Bible has to say, and he actually absolutely is repudiating what the Bible teaches because the Bible does not show that every corner of creation bears the image of God. Actually, it's only man. We'll talk about that, as I mentioned, just a little bit more. Continuing, this is Al Gore. I believe he says that the image of of the Creator, which sometimes seems so faint in the tiny corner of creation each of us beholds, 
is nonetheless present in its entirety and present in us as well. So there you have it. So it's present in the creation, present in us as well. If we are made in the image of God, perhaps it is the myriad light strands from the earth's web of life woven so distinctly in our essence. Oh, waxing poetic here, is he? By experiencing nature in its fullest with our senses and our spiritual imagination, we can glimpse, bright as shining as the sun, an infinite image of God. Well, he did make one statement pretty clear, and he's accurate here, and that was the spiritual imagination. That is all imaginatory material. That's imagination. The Bible does not teach that, but he does plainly show us that man is no better than, no higher than, has no more superiority than, no more value than anything else on the planet. Now, that's exactly what we're talking about when I talk about devaluing human life. Now, he's the grandfather of the environmental movement. The environmental movement today devalues human life, and it is a disintegration of our culture. So we have it in the transgender movement. We have it in the environmental movement. We also have it in other movements as well. For example, consider abortion. Abortion shows us very plainly that people disregard man and humanity and the creation that God made. According to Genesis 1, 26 and 27, the image of God refers to the fact that man has free will. Man has free will. Now, those evolutionists and the scientists who are swayed by evolution, the false doctrine of evolution, general theory of it, such as Delos McCown, who was the head of the philosophy department at Auburn University several years ago, they all deny that there's any free will because obviously if everything is is everything is simply moved by evolution, it's all matter in motion. There is no free will whatsoever. That's an illusion. And so said Delos McCown, and so says many other scientists. They deny free will. There would be no such thing as moral sensitivity. There is no ability to discern what is moral versus immoral. And there's no there would be no such thing as rationality. That is the ability to draw rational conclusions warranted by evidence. There'd be no such thing as that if everything is simply matter in motion, which is all you have left if evolution is true. And if the Bible is not true, that's all you have, matter in motion. So what has the abortion industry to do with this? Well, the abortion industry has slaughtered millions upon millions of children since 1973, at least that far back in America. And it has caused man to become hardened to the value of human life. Now, as I was preparing these notes, just as I even came up to the studio, I noted a statement here or an article, I should say, that features uh, Katie Hobbs, that is the supposed governor-elect of Arizona. I say supposed because I believe that election was fraudulent. I believe that uh, Carrie Lake was actually is actually have a good case against Katie Hobbs. But be that as it may, the Democrat governor, Katie Hobbs, has vetoed legislation to ensure basic medical care for infants who survive attempted abortions, with Republicans in the state legislature lacking the votes to override it. It was SB 1600 would have required any infant who is born alive, including one born during the course of an abortion, 
to be treated as a legal person and given the same rights to medically appropriate and, the, and reasonable care and treatment. As a child born in any other circumstance, failures to comply with this would have been required to be reported to law enforcement and violations would be grounds for suspension or revocation of medical licenses. Now, this is interesting to me. Katie Hobbs has not been in the seat of governorship in Arizona very long at all, but she's already, she's already talking about and supporting infanticide. This is infanticide. If it is not, I would like for someone to explain to me how it is not. That is a child that is born. Perhaps it was, that is a botched abortion, but the child is born alive and she says, kill it. I remember before Barack Obama became president, I read a book by Jerome Corsi about Obama, and I think it was called Abomination. And Barack Obama, as a senator in the state of Illinois, and even in the, in the city of Chicago, had, had at one point a hearing regarding, and it included nurses, because he was supportive of abortion as well, and still is. And he had a hearing in which he was listening to nurses talking about the different babies that had been born alive, botched abortions. And one nurse, it was, it was such a pitiful story. One nurse said she was crying as the baby came out alive and they put the baby in a closet in, in the hospital. She went in there to care for the baby and try to, try to warm it, try to n- nurture it and love it, give it might some things that it might need. But Obama hearing this, you know what he said? Kill it. Kill it. He was not moved at all. Katie Hobbs doesn't care either. That's infanticide. What has brought this about? What has brought it about? The hardening, the coarsening of our own sensitivities to human life. The Bible teaches that God created humanity in the womb. Remember, he told that to Jeremiah in chapter 1. The prophet, he said, before you were born, I knew you in the womb. Furthermore, David writes in Psalms 139, verses 13 through 15, that I am fearfully and wonderfully made, and I am intricately woven together in my mother's womb by God. Human life is valuable, and only humanity has the image of God. But what's happened in our culture is a coarsening, a hardening of the hearts. And it has come about via abortion, and now it is spread throughout. We can even see it, by the way, just to add one more note to it, we can see it also in law enforcement and criminal prosecution. Law enforcement, they're turning people loose who have committed murder, when in point of fact, the Bible teaches in Romans chapter 13, that the death penalty ought to be ad- administered for people who take the lives of other people. That's exactly what Romans 13 verses 3 and 4 says, that the government bears not the sword in vain. It's referencing, of course, decapitation. Simply put, capital punishment. But when a DA or any, any orchestrated effort turns a murderer loose on the streets, a person who's taken life willfully and wantonly, they are absolutely denigrating the value of the human lives that that person has taken. It's going on everywhere in our country. And it is 
what I call slouching towards Gomorrah, or in better, better put, as Robert Bork put many years ago in his book, this is slouching towards Gomorrah. We'll be back in a moment. Just to underscore the point that we made in the first segment, human life in the womb should not be taken. Abortion is a sin against God. That's exactly what it is because a baby or a fetus in the womb is human life, and there's no distinction between that life and the life out of the womb. But the taking of that life by American practice has coarsened our society. Now, if there's any question, I think this is interesting. Let me just back up and say this. I think this is fascinating that you know, so many people in the university crowd or, or the young people who are all for, like, we want, to, we want to follow science. We want to follow science. No, they don't. They don't want to follow science in any way whatsoever. They want to follow scientific theories, perhaps, but not really science. They want to follow what they believe or what they want to believe, but not really science. What does the Bible or what does science say, I should say, regarding life in the womb? This, this took place in 1981, many years ago, but it's been, it's been clear for a long time. And addressing a Senate Judiciary Committee, this is April 23 and 24, 1981, and they were discussing abortion. Robert Jaynes, Dr. Robert Jaynes stated this, to say that the beginning of human life cannot be determined scientifically is utterly ridiculous. Well, that's scientific community. Those hearings were carried on to determine the question of when does human life begin? Accompanying Dr. James that day was a group of internationally known geneticists, biologists, who conclusively reiterated that life begins at conception. And they told their story with profound absence of opposing testimony. For example, Dr. Micheline Matthews Ross of Harvard Medical School came up to the Senate also, and she gave confirming testimony supported by references from over 20 embryology and other medical textbooks that human life begins at conception. The man known as the father of modern genetics, Dr. Jerome Lejeune, told the lawmakers this, to accept the fact that after fertilization has taken place a new human has come into being is no longer a matter of taste or opinion. It is plain experimental evidence. Dr. Jaime Gordon, chairman of the Department of Genetics at the Mayo Clinic, said, same testimony, same Senate Judiciary Committee, quote, by all the criteria of modern molecular biology, life is present from the moment of conception. Dr. McCarthy DeMary of the University of Tennessee, who is both a medical doctor and a law professor, testified, the exact moment of the beginning of personhood and of the human body is at the moment of conception. Dr. Alfred Beyond Giovanni of the University of Pennsylvania School of Medicine concluded, I am no more prepared to say that these early stages represent an incomplete human being than I would to say that the child prior to the dramatic effects of puberty is not a human being. And here's another interesting question. Several years ago, there was a, there was a biologist, I believe it was a biologist, forgotten his name, in Australia, Australia, who said, what we need to do is we need to be able to exterminate by law children up to the years, two years old, until they're two years old, because it may be that the parents 
need to see if they can take care of the child. And if they can't take care of the child, whether it be emotionally or financially, primarily, they can't take care of the child, then they need to be able to exterminate that child at least up to the point of two years old. Now, I ask this question to Katie Hobbs in Arizona and to all of the Democrat friends. I'm asking you, you tell me, why would that be wrong? And upon what basis are you going to draw a conclusion that that is wrong? How would you make that determination that that is wrong? I'd be interested to know what kind of answer you would give to that. Because right now, children that are born alive and in a botched abortion case, the Democrats are all about kill it. Now, I want to know why, why not up to two years? And how long will it be? I ask this question also. How long will it be before our American culture falls in line with what's going on in Australia and says exactly the same thing? Well, by the way, we got by with that. Now let's also be able to kill children until they're two years old. And then after, after that, then what? Maybe three, maybe four. You don't want a child and the child's too much trouble? then we should have the ability to exterminate it. Is that where we are going in this society? It seems so if the Democrats and the Joe Bidens of the world continue to control this country. It's absolutely astounding. All right. Now, when we come back, I'm going to, I want to talk about the radio show for just a moment. But when we come back, I want, I'm going to read to you some things today from a United Nations document that decriminalizes sex with minors, prostitution, drug usage, abortion, all of these things and more also in the new UN document that has just been produced the other day. And this is done in order that they might manage what's going on in America. And as you know, of course, very well that our Democrat leaders in the Washington, D.C., are going to try to follow the track of the U.N. All right, now, you can find the show. This is Patriotic Pulpit. is what we call the show, Patriotic Pulpit. You can find this show on Amazon Music app. You can find it on Spotify app as well. You can find articles that relate to all of these topics that I write on the News Talk 1290 website that is published right here in Wichita Falls, Texas. The show airs in Abilene. It also airs in Lubbock. And so it's on an FM station as well as an AM station here and there. Now, the website that I have is American Liberty with Bill Lockwood. You can go there to donate. I don't put articles up on that any longer, but the articles I write on the News Talk 1290 website. However, I do have another avenue that I speak, and that is on the iowaparkcoc.org website. That's iowaparkcoc.org. And you can see articles and or sermons, anything that you want to find right there on that website. And you can see my position on anything. I don't try to hide anything at all. So this is exactly uh, the avenues that I have. And so you can tap into those and follow me on those or find out material that I've said on particular topics. So, um, and by the way, this coming... This coming mid-May to end of May, I'm starting a new sermon series on the book of Colossians, which deals with paganism. We'll do this in the pulpit at the Iowa Park Church of Christ. Deals with paganism, and you think that that's an ancient thing? No, you're mistaken. It's, it's current in a world today, paganism. So we'll talk about all of that more later. All right, when we come back, we'll talk about that UN document. Back in a moment. 
I have in front of me that United Nations document. It's called the Eight March Principles for a Human Rights-Based Approach to Criminal Law Proscribing Conduct Associated with Sex, Reproduction, Drug Use, HIV, Homelessness, and Poverty. And it has been signed by a number of or composed by a number of supposedly eminent jurists and judges, lawyers from all regions of the world. The International Commission of Jurists promotes and protects human rights through the rule of law. And so they have, uh, this is, of course, from uh, the UN AIDS program, which has been established uh, an international commission, and they are recommending this to different countries. And as, as you know very well, that our leadership in the American government just cannot wait to get on board with, with such hedonistic ideas, no matter what it is that they promote. But it is all same way, slouching towards Gomorrah. Now, the foreword is written by a man by the name of Edwin Cameron. He's retired justice, Constitutional Court of South Africa, inspecting judge, judicial inspectorate for correctional services. And he begins it this way, for, lo- for long years in the law and as a proudly gay man, I know profoundly how criminal law signals which groups are deemed worthy of protection and which condom- uh, of condemnation and ostracism. Now, right away, we're in trouble. Here's a man who is a homosexual writing, and the homosexual movement, people don't recognize, and so many people are afraid to say it, but I'm going to tell you the homosexual movement includes all of the things that are found herein, including sex with minors. That's exactly what this document holds in it. Several years ago, probably more like 20 years ago, I read a book called The Homosexual Agenda by a Catholic bishop by the name of Enrique Rueda. And he points out in this homosexual agenda, the book called Homosexual Agenda, that all of these organizations are tied together. For example, the North American Man-Boy Love Association, which pushes pedophilia, is tied hardwired right into the homosexual agenda, right into the homosexual movement. How has this all gotten so far down the track so quickly? Because It was all legalized homosexuality during the Obama administration, and it includes much more than whether a man may have a boyfriend or a girl may have a girlfriend. It includes much more than that, and that's exactly what we're going to find in this document. I've said this so many times. I've said it all of my life, and many people want to deny it, but boy, it's right here in black and white. So he talks about the criminal proscriptions may reinforce structural inequalities they may codify discrimination. That is, that is what we have going on in America. May, may, uh, is really he calls it structural inequalities. I, I'm going to say this: where, just where, where in America have we codified that kind of thing? Where in America have we codified by law inequalities? It's absolutely stunning. But he goes on to talk about. The, human rights impact of criminal laws that proscribe, that is, forbid conduct associated with sex, reproduction, HIV, drug use, homelessness, and poverty, and they had to throw that in there too. So let's just go down the track here, what they have to say. Now I'll just turn to the different pages. I've got them marked here, and I just want you to listen. This is, this is absolutely astounding what is, what, is going, what is coming down the pike here. Principle number 14 sexual reproductive uh, reproductive health and rights. 
The statement says no one may be held criminally, criminally liable for exercising the rights to sexual and reproductive health, such as requesting, accessing, or using sexual and reproductive health facilities, services, goods, including information. Criminal law may not in any way impair the right to make and act decisions on decisions about one's own body, sexuality, reproduction, such as pregnancy, contraception, including emergency contraception, comprehensive abortion care, prophylaxis for sexually transmitted infections, gender-affirming care, there's transgenderism, and therapy, etc. No one may be held criminally liable. They go on to say, on the basis that their conduct is alleged to be harmful to their own pregnancy, such as alcohol or drug consumption or contracting HIV or transmitting it to the fetus while pregnant or for their own pregnancy loss. You cannot be held criminally liable for passing this on. This is absolutely a releasing people from any kind of responsibility whatsoever in any area of sexuality. He goes on to say, or the document goes on to read, where the person's conduct might also constitute an independent criminal offense unrelated to the pregnancy, there must be no additional criminal consequences arising from any alleged harm to the pregnancy. So they want you to be able to destroy your children. They want you to be able to practice transgenderism, just gender-affirming care, all of these things, and more also by the United Nations document. This is what they want to put as a template over the law of America. Now let's talk about principle number 14. That was, uh, that was number 14. This is number 15, abortion. No one may be held criminally liable for the pregnancy loss, including a pregnancy loss resulting from obstetric emergency, such as a miscarriage or a stillbirth, or for their attempting or undergoing an abortion or for other decisions they make around their pregnancy or childbirth. Criminal law may not forbid or proscribe abortion. Abortion must be taken entirely out of the purview of the criminal law, including for having, aiding, assisting, providing an abortion, abortion-relating medication or services, etc. Let me just mention this right here. They don't want any laws passed in America. They want it from an international level that forbids any law in any community from hindering the taking of human life. Now, it's interesting that they all want to talk about science and scientific evidence and scientific studies, but real science shows that it's life in the womb, as we talked about a moment ago. And yet, this, this particular document strikes all of that out. Not only so, but comes from an international level coming right out of Geneva, Switzerland. Principle number 16, consensual sexual conduct. And this one, remember I mentioned a moment ago, the North American Man-Boy Love Association. I remember when I first mentioned that, I mentioned that in sermons, perhaps it was 19, I don't know, 1990, 1991, 92, that that's a part of the homosexual agenda. And people just looked at me and they they would ask me after the lesson, I said, well, they never heard of such a thing. They thought that was so far-fetched. Well, here we have it. It's always been part of that movement, and here we have it right here in the United Nations document. Principle number 16, consensual sexual conduct. Consensual sexual conduct, irrespective of the type of sexual activity, 
the sex gender, sexual orientation, gender identity, or gender expression of the people involved or the marital status may not be criminalized in any circumstances. Consensual same-sex as well as consensual different-sex sexual relations or consensual sexual relations with or between trans, non-binary, or other gender-diverse people or outside marriage, whether premarital or extramarital, may never, therefore, be criminalized. We're just not going to criminalize any kind of immorality whatsoever. Immorality USA, we're right here. But listen to this paragraph. With respect to the enforcement of criminal law, any prescribed minimum age of consent to sex must be applied in a non-discriminatory manner. Enforcement may not be linked to the sex gender of participants or age of consent to marriage. It doesn't matter how young the child may be. We can't have any laws that forbid the taking of children for sexual purposes. That's the United Nations. That's the United Nations. Now, you can see it's dovetailing right in with Islam because Muhammad himself had a nine-year-old wife, Aisha. He was betrothed to her. She was betrothed to him, rather, when she was six years old. He married her when she was nine. He was a 50-year-old man. Same thing as what's going on. You talk about hedonism and Sodom and Gomorrah. We're here, and they're pushing it from the United Nations platform. Continuing in Principle 16, it says, Moreover, sexual conduct involving persons below the domestically prescribed minimum age of consent to sex may be consensual in fact, if not in law. In this context, the enforcement of criminal law should reflect the rights and capacity of persons under 18 years of age to make decisions about engaging in consensual sexual conduct. And it goes on and on. Now, we'll talk about more of it. We'll take a break. We'll come back. Here we're looking at number 17, which is prostitution. Number 18, homosexuality, of course. Cameron himself, the editor of this, the homosexual, as well as panhandling is going to be included, drug use, AIDS, all of these things included. We're not going to be able to proscribe or forbid any of those things. We'll be back in a moment. Now, someone may ask me, why use Sodom and Gomorrah, slouching towards Gomorrah? Remember in Genesis chapter 19, God destroyed the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah for their homosexuality. I heard a man say not long ago, he didn't think that passage was able to be utilized for preaching against homosexuality, even though he believed that the Bible taught against homosexuality. But I'm going to differ with that because the Bible does explicitly tell us that that was what was going on in Genesis 19. But the New Testament also comments on it in bold and clear language. This is Jude, the book of Jude, verse 7, from the New International Version. In a similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. They serve as as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire. That's pretty bold language, isn't it? Pretty strong language. The American Standard Version, which I use, speaks about it just a little bit differently, speaking about giving themselves over to strange flesh. And it's referring to homosexuality. In Romans chapter 1, Paul discussed it this way, that it's unnatural. And when this becomes 
practiced in society and sacrosanct in law, encoded in law, then three times in that chapter, we read, God gave them up. Now, those are some startling words. Now, let's think about that UN document some more. This is prostitution. This is what they are wanting to be the template for law in America. Principle 17 includes prostitution, or they call it sex work, the exchange of sexual services between consenting adults for money, goods or services, communication with another about, advertising an offer for, or sharing premises with another for the purposes of exchanging sexual services between consenting adults for money, goods and services, whether in public or private place, may not be criminalized. And then they add, absent of coercion, force, abuse of authority, or fraud. Can't use criminal law at all. There's, there's no laws forbidding prostitution. How about this one? Principle 18. Sexual orientation and gender identity and gender expression. Let me just stop here real quickly. Why is it called sexual orientation? Speaking about homosexuality, why is it called sexual orientation? Do you know that is because it's a political movement. It's a political hardball movement. That's why. Nothing to do with science, nothing to do with medicine, nothing to do with discovery of the human genome at all. It used to be called sexual preference, but for political purposes to make people accept the idea that people are born homosexual, they use sexual orientation. Even though it has not a scintilla of evidence in science at all that people are born that way. So I use the word sexual orientation simply because it's right here on the paper, but that's what they say. That's how they want to speak about it. But it is sexual preference. So it is sexual orientation, gender identity, and gender expression. No one may be held criminally liable, says the United Nations, for conduct or status based on their gender identity or gender expression. This includes gender identities, forms of gender expression that are perceived not to conform to societal expectation or norms relating to gender roles, the sex assigned to a person at birth, or a male-female binary, among others. So here we have transgenderism right here. No one may be held criminally liable, they go on to say, for consensual practices aiming to assist others with the exploration, free development, and or affirmation of sexual orientation or gender identity unless there was forced coercion or fraud. Practices aiming to change, we need to note this one, practices aiming to change or suppress a person's sexual orientation or their sexual preference, as I say, gender identity or gender expression carried out without the concerned person's free and informed consent and decision-making, including through force, coercion, abuse, or of authority, may be addressed through the other provisions in criminal law. Wow, what are we talking about here? Well, we're not talking about preachers forcing into anybody to do anything, but just as we've seen already in the state of California, if you are a therapist, if you're a counselor, and you advise people that are homosexuals that here's how you can get out of homosexuality and out of that lifestyle and out of, out of Sodom and Gomorrah and breathe the free air that we have in Christ. If you want to say something like that, you're going to be criminally liable. And they're already doing it in the country of Canada as well. 
What has this right here to do? This has to do with shutting preachers up. That's what it's about. No one may aim to change or suppress a person's sexual orientation. You may not do that. I'll tell you what. They're coming after people who know the truth and who know what the Bible teaches regarding it. But it even gets worse. Principle number 19 is about HIV. Criminal law may not prescribe, that is, forbid non-disclosure of HIV status or exposure to HIV or HIV transmission per se. The use of criminal law should be limited to cases of intentional transmission of HIV. Now, what does that mean? It means simply this. If someone's out having relations with someone and they have HIV, they say unless you intentionally try to pass that on to another person, then you're not liable. You're not going to be culpable. You're not going to be liable at law. That is, doesn't matter if you have HIV or not. Just go on and have sexual relations. And then, principle 20, drug use and possession, purchase or cultivation of drugs for personal use. Criminal law may not forbid anyone under the age of 18 while pregnant using drugs. Cultivation of drugs for personal use possession of distribution equipment, and on and on it goes. All of these, all of these, and more also, supported by the United Nations. Now, before we conclude, I want to notice that these are not, these are not people in the backwoods somewhere. This was supported by and endorsed by over 60 scientists, so-called, around the world, doctors, people who have people in constitutional courts in Colombia, people in not only Colombia, but Caribbean, people in New Zealand, scientists also here in the United States, some of them at different universities. So here's one in Jamaica. And on and on it goes. All over the world, joining into the United Nations, supporting this kind of document. What are we turning to? Immorality USA. Our culture cannot stand up at all if we're going to crumble from the inside like this. And the pressure's on. It's time for people of God to stand up, be counted for what is good and right, resist not only these moves toward immorality and hedonism, but also stand up against the United Nations. We have no business being in the United Nations, and we need to kick it out of the United States as well. 